once again, I'm with uh, GFP commissioner and longtime friend of mine, Russ Olson, from Egan, now f- Madison, right? I almost said Flandreau, my gosh. But, uh, <laughs> and if, I don't think Flandreau. <laughs> Flandreau wouldn't take you anymore? Nope. <laughs> Statute of limitations has got to run off on some of that stuff. I can go back to Siston. You can go back to Flandreau. <laughs> West side of the big seal. Right. But let's just talk about one specific issue, um, and that's the pheasant season extension. Um, you know, that came up earlier in 2020, and, and we talked about it a little bit, and we thought, oh, you know, I think people will be, be you know, pretty much supportive of, supportive of this idea. But where did the idea come from? Do you remember, Russ? Well, I'll tell you, you know, that's one of the ones, Chris, that as a sportsman, it, I didn't have access to you know, the, the guidance and the background and, and the data that our biologists have, uh, I would have probably burnt the house down before I said it was a good idea to disturb, you know, roosters in the late season when there's, you know, terrible winter conditions and it's tough to forage for food and, and you know, X, Y, Z, it just wouldn't have made sense to me. But, you know, if you take a look at, as we have, and the reason we made this decision, that the late uh, and sex counts that, that we do and we drive you know 1800 miles of uh, gravel roads and and look at countless counties doing these surveys we have multiple people going out and and it fortunately for one lucky rooster you know one rooster can can do what needs to be done in the spring of the year for about 10 hints right. and so you know, we didn't have those kind of odds when I was at USD. <laughs> I'll tell you, you know, uh, right now, the last two years, our numbers have shown, you know, that we're seven to nine roosters for every 10 hens. And that's not good. We, we don't need that. You know, the, the way nature works in most cases is the males are more aggressive. And so if you have, uh, you know, a pile of corn uh, that, that's left in the field and there's six to eight roosters and a bunch of hens the roosters run them off they run them off the food and then when it comes time to tuck yourself into bed at night when they fly back in they get the best nesting spots too and they're not uh, to push those hens out and uh you know the last time i checked uh, roosters don't lay eggs so we need more hens in the spring than we do roosters so when we had all that information laid out to us the part where it gets tricky is we try to you know, we try to satisfy so many masters and try, you know, one of the thoughts was that early on to increase the limit to four during the season. And now that broke with tradition and this, that, and the other. We have other, you know, game uh, farm operators that had already contracted for pheasants and, you know, moving that to, to four for the limit would have, you know, whacked them on their profit margins for the year because they'd already contract out for those birds and those hunters aren't going to show up and say, well, it says that you can now shoot four. Why we only get to shoot three? And so that was some, some bad, you know, the bad part of public input there is that then everybody thought that, you know, in this late season, uh, that it's four roosters and it isn't it's still three roosters and, it, and it's a necessary, uh, component to managing our habitat. You know, all of these birds, uh, were are not native to South Dakota. They were brought here a hundred, 
one years ago and are uh, released here. They've done well when we manage the population correctly and when we give them adequate habitat uh, for them. And one of the things, you know, if we're not going to create uh, more habitat overnight because we've lost a substantial amount of habitat uh, due to CRP coming out and going back into production. The one thing we can do is uh, better manage the actual population. And I think people will appreciate uh, the opportunities to have some late season pheasant hunting. A guy that has, you know, good dogs like you and I do, uh, you love digging them out of the snow and, and watching your dogs work and, and have the fun outdoors. Uh, does it mean that you're going to pound them every day of the week. I, I don't think that's happening, but I think that it gives, you know, us a, another chance for some of those non-residents to come back in and, and for our residents to enjoy late season hunting. And, and uh, for this year, holy cow, I mean, there's a couple of days here. You barely need a jacket in January. So I think that it's going to be a good month to really get out and enjoy the outdoors. Yeah. It, it's funny. I, I was back home in Siston and, and my uncle's an avid pheasant hunter and he said well the good news is there's pheasants everywhere he said the bad news with this weather they're literally everywhere you know they're not holed up in that late season you know cattail cover necessarily um they're out scratching around in the fields in the middle of the day and um so it's been it's been an interesting first month or you know first january of this season and and i guess kind of gets back to what what did you hear from the public i know sometimes you know, you get these issues and you're getting overrun. But what did you hear from the public on on that issue? And, and how big of an influence is public input? Oh, yeah. I mean, I have a, a good friend of mine that ranches over by Artesian. And we didn't talk until about a week before Christmas because of this issue. Right. I mean, we got a heated argument because, you know, he his opinion was that, geez, we're finally getting some good numbers back and you guys want to go shoot them all. And that isn't the case. I tried to explain to him and, and we just agreed not to to talk anymore so <laughs> three months without talking and, and it really you get you know you run into somebody at a, at the grocery store or after church and they want to give you your two cents and and um and it's always important but i mean the decision's already made um I, i'm going to continue to back up the science behind the decision and uh i think that you know the the folks that run the gas stations and the coffee shops and the little bars and, and restaurants, some of these small towns where people are going back out and, and, and getting uh, some pheasant hunting in the late season. They certainly appreciate it. I know there's, you know, it's that diehard group. Uh, just talked to a guy yesterday. He said, no, he said, pheasant hunting should end at Christmas. You know, you should spend Christmas with your family and it should be done. And, you know, that's his opinion. Nobody says you have to go out and do it. That's right. I told my land over by Artesian. I said, if you don't want to hunt late season, don't let people hunt your land. It's easy, mm-hmm. you know. But I think that, uh, you know, I've had other buddies that can't wait. And they want, you know, I know for a fact I've got two more hunts uh, scheduled uh, that that I plan on taking some buddies out. And we're going to, you know, three guys, three dogs, and three shells. And we're just going right. to kind of have a little uh, competition to see uh, whose dogs are the best, who's the best shot, and who can get the most birds with three shells. Right. That's, you know, it's interesting. You and I have had this discussion about um, public input and the amount of input and the way you get it. And and I think, you know, I, I think that's one thing that the general public probably doesn't realize is just, you know, everybody wants to give that opinion and they should because it's important in the process. But just the amount that, that a, just a commissioner gets on a month to month basis and and the 
you know, this month it might be pheasants and next month it's copper fluted bullets. And that may be something that neither you or I could, could tell you anything about. Um, so yeah, you gotta be quick on your feet. Yeah. It's, you know, I've never changed my position by reading an email that says, what do you dumb SOB (laughs) think you're doing now? It's, it's all tact. And you know, when we were, uh, Chris, when we were deciding how we, uh, we're going to change the deer allocation uh, uh, process for getting game tags in South Dakota. I mean, that is where, you know, it's family tradition and 50 years we've done it this way. And how dare you guys? And our the bottom line was to increase a hunter's opportunity to get the preferred season they wanted. And nobody, it took a long time to say that to folks to get it. And I, you know, um, uh, deputy, uh, uh, director and uh, our uh, uh, secretary, uh, Kevin Roebling, at the time, uh, he he lined up a meeting that he wanted me to go meet with, you know, 20, 30 guys and, that were really passionate about this and talk about it, and I agreed to do it, and I didn't realize he'd set the meeting up at a bar, uh, <laughs> and uh, and, the, and the, they were still serving during the meeting, and, and that's when you really find out someone's true thoughts, But but from that meeting, you know, we, you know, the easiest thing for me to do is tell you guys what you want to hear. Let's all be realistic. Something is going to change. There's the votes to change it today without compromise. And I'd probably be part of that. Tell me what we can do to make it better. And from that conversation is where we decided that we would let uh, people apply for special buck East and West River. And if they drew, it was one of their two. If right. they did, then it was a free bonus for them. And it was just that little bit of give and take that sometimes you have to find so that everybody leaves, you know, the true art of compromise is whenever thinking they got hosed. Right. But, you know, I think that that was one of those instances where, you know, sitting in a room with 20, 30 guys that didn't agree with my position, we found common ground. And I think it's, the program's better for it. 